And joining me right now here on the phone line, as he does every Tuesday, he's got his great job with Brevard Sports Network. He's a good friend, Alan Slaughterzinski. Alan, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Mark. Uh, good to be with you, buddy. I, last night, was watching some of your great conversation with head football coach Ryan Schneider for the back-to-back two-time champion, Coco Tigers. That was a great conversation. For people who didn't get a chance, uh, how how did it go last night with Coach? It went well. We wanted to get Coach in the studio just to kind of recap the state championship. But the real reason we wanted to get him into the studio was because we wanted to talk to him about his decision to nearly, and when I say nearly, I mean probably within an hour of leaving Coco and taking the uh, head coaching job at Melbourne Central Catholic uh, this offseason. He, he interviewed for the job uh, twice, I believe, and nearly took it. And so we discussed that last night and what the ultimate reason for staying at Coco was and what advice he had for other coaches who may be in a similar situation as him. You know, the, you know, look, as he said in the conversation last night, what he was offered at Melbourne Central Catholic to take the job was life-changing money for him. And so he had a truly, you know, he, he had a real self battle to, to, to deal with. And so what he ultimately decided was that he wasn't, you know, he didn't think, you know, and he was very, very, uh, you know, thankful, appreciative, and and just flattered, you know, with what MCC had done in offering him this job. But in the end, what he realized was that he is part of something that not a lot of high school coaches, not just in this state, but in this country are not a part of. And that's a football program like the Coco Tigers. And I hear you mention all the time on your show about how special that program is, the things that they do there, Mark, the year in and year seven. I mean, you know, I mean, 17 straight years in the final four. I mean, that's absurd. And so, yeah, you know, you get the state championships, but 17 straight years, you're playing in the month of December. That's crazy, Mark. And um, what he ultimately realized was that he he is he has really laid his mark on that program, and that um, that's where he wanted to be, and so that's where he stayed. Does MCC have a coach right now? Not not no not yet. So they still need to find their coach. So I I know you're on that story. We're gonna find out. I I go back and forth with this. The selfish part of me, Alan, is happy he's staying at Coco. But I, I know it must have been a tough decision for him. Yeah, I mean, the money that they were offering was really mind-dumbing for high school football coaches in the state of Florida. Um, in some cases, for a lot of high school football coaches, Mark, who teach, it was twice as much that they make. Um, and right on par with where they are in Texas and Georgia. So, you know, Ryan Snyder was like, as he said in the interview, it was life changing money for him. But he really believed that. And I think what he found out was once that it had gotten out that he had interviewed for that job and was very close to taking it, he had a lot of people in the Coco community. He had a lot of his players. He had a lot of his coaches reach out to him 
and, and and I don't think Ryan felt like he was as part of that community as he is, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, he took over for John Wilkinson there at Coco, and that was not an easy thing to do. And if you're not familiar with that, you know, in high school football, it would be like, you know, um, you know, it, it it would be like Jimmy Johnson immediately taking over for um, Don Shula. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean that's. I mean, I know eventually Jimmy coached Miami, but it would be like, and that's essentially what it turned out to be. Except Ryan won, Jimmy didn't. You know what I'm saying? So you know, Ryan won state championships, and he did it in a completely different way than what John Wilkinson did it. Well, why did so, Wilk- hey, why did Wilkinson leave Coco? Well, he went to well, he went to New Smyrna Beach because that's where he lived, that's where his family is, and that's where his son went to high school, and he wanted an opportunity to coach his son in high school, and so that's what John did. Um, you know, you can't fault him for that, but I mean, let's be honest, John hasn't gone to New Smyrna Beach and won state championships. And so, and I'm not throwing shade on Coach Wilkinson. He's one of the greatest coaches ever here in in the state of Florida. What I'm saying is, is that you realize the opportunity that a place like Coco presents you, and when you think about or come close to leaving, I think then and only then do you truly realize what it is. It's a gold mine. That's what you're yeah. you're living on. It's a gold mine. It's funny last week, I don't know if you heard it, my buddy Kevin Noon, who covers Ohio State football in Columbus. Ohio State, they recruit so hard in Florida. Again, he lives in Columbus, Ohio, and tells me that he has to come to Brevard County and see who Coco has every couple months. That's how crazy of a well, story that is. Well, they've got they've got one now. And, you know, I'm sure Kevin will be back to see him again next year. And, and Javen Boggs. Yeah. Javen Boggs is going to Ohio State. He is thought to be the next Marvin Harrison Jr. along the way up there in Columbus. And um, Javen Boggs is going to be catching passes in the NFL on Sundays eventually. And, yeah, Kevin's right. I mean, Coco, you know, Ryan said during that interview last night, he said he went to a national coaches conference in Nashville where there were high school coaches and college coaches from all over the country there. And Coco was as much of a recognized brand as anything else in that building that day. That's wild. We're here. We're here. The Alan Slaughterzinski Brevard Sports Network. We've had this conversation for a long time. Look, these coaches here in Brevard County, look, they're also teachers. Most of them, they're working nonstop. They have to be paid better. I know that's a simple answer to say, but like, I, I don't like all this just turnover where every two years I don't know who the coach is of certain schools in Brevard County. It drives me crazy, but I, you got to pay him better, Alan. That's my statement to you. I completely agree with you, Mark. And our former athletic director for Brevard County, Dr. Andrew Ramjit, left his position um, here in Brevard County and launched the Florida Coaches Coalition about three years ago. And uh, and in doing so, fights every day for higher coaches' pay. And when you put up the fact in the amount of talent that the state of Florida produces, both at the collegiate and the NFL level, and then you consider what Florida coaches make in comparison to other states like California, Texas, Georgia, and Louisiana, it's a freaking joke, Mark Moses. 
Did you text me on a lighter note? Did you text me that the Bama coach was here a couple days ago? Yes, he was. Uh, he was here, the new Alabama coach. Um, Gus Malzahn uh, flew in on a helicopter. Mike Norvell flew in on a helicopter. And you want to know where they were all at? Coco High School. <laughs> Where's your helicopter? <laughs> Come on, man. I lent it to Gus. I haven't gotten it back yet. <laughs> so they were, huh? So I, uh, you know what? I keep thinking it's Nick Saban is the coach, but what's the guy's name? <laughs> DeBoer, whatever. What is it? Yeah, yeah, Caleb DeBoer. Look, I, and here's the thing. I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I get Mike Norvell flying over on a helicopter, right? I know you're going to say. Gus Malzahn's 45 minutes away, dude. <laughs> I like. I like the idea. The coach at Alabama takes the job. First thing, I got to get to Florida. <laughs> Give me those players. That's what it is. And then I got, yeah. And then I got to go steal a quarterback from Washington and get myself in trouble. No, you're not. Hey, the Coco quarterback was he only a sophomore this past year? Yeah, you know it's funny because <laughs> here's another thing about Coco. Yeah. So about ten days ago, CBS Sports, Mark. Sent down their head guy as it pertains to national recruiting in the country to do a story on Coco. And next year, it's incredible to believe this, but next year Coco could have, could have as many as six All-Americans on the field. And they'll have one at quarterback. They'll have one at uh, wide receiver. They'll have one, uh, two, three on the defensive side of the football. It's unbelievable. Look, I know we're hyping Coco, and it's especially because you had your great conversation with Ryan Schneider, and I got to get him on as well. We have great talent on all these schools, correct? Not just Coco here in Brevard. Yes, yes, we do. We have a, we have a, we have a lot of tremendous talent, and I, I have a great deal of respect for all of these high school football coaches, and you know all of these kids grind. You know, tomorrow is National Signing Day, and you know you take a school like Heritage. Tomorrow is going to have their biggest senior, biggest signing class ever at Heritage. So um, even with all of the issues with the transfer portal, you still have um, schools that are still putting in an, a, a tremendous amount of kids at the next level, and that's happening in all of its glory here in Brevard County, and I absolutely love it. Look, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Alan Slarzynski. I'm so in the early signing day and transfer portal. I completely forgot tomorrow is actual the official signing day. How about you? Yeah. No, no. I it's it's you know we it's hard for me because of you know what's going on uh, with high school football in Brevard County. So it's hard for me to actually forget that. I forget about early signing day. So it, it's reversed for yeah. me because. I, you know, eventually with the transfer portal, early signing day is going to go away. Uh, it just is. It's got to. Yeah. And, uh, so I think you're going to see that happen. And, you know, I don't think we, I think we had maybe three at most four guys sign on the dotted line. The most notable being Day Day Farmer from MCC going to West Virginia. Um, and Heritage had Adam Kasei sign to go play at Clemson on early signing day as well. But um, I, I think eventually you're going to see early signing day go away. We're going to get back to 
having all the hoopla surrounded on the uh, first February and or first Wednesday in February. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're here with Alan Slaughterzinski, Brevard Sports Network. All right, that's football. I know you you did a breakdown. You did a great job the other day. I was watching the video where you got postseason for high school soccer. What is the latest as of today here on a Tuesday? Well, it's really quite amazing, Mark, because all of our winter sports are entering into the postseason. And soccer, which I don't think gets enough credit in this county, sent 19 boys and girls teams to the state series playoffs, which is incredible when you think about Brevard County and where we are in terms of the big cities in this state and how many teams Miami and Tampa and Jacksonville and the, you know, the, 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 Tallahassee sends and so to have 19 boys and girls teams 10 boys teams and nine girls teams is really quite remarkable five different programs sent both their boys and their girls teams to the state tournament and you put that in comparison to basketball who may only send nine at the most and so kudos to soccer Mark and we've got uh, of course Vieira boys are the defending state champs the Vieira girls also reached the final four last year, but hey, you also have satellite boys and girls who have an opportunity to get to the final four this year, and we're going to be broadcasting both of their games a little bit later on today. But yes, um, soccer is uh, alive and doing very, very well in Brevard County. That's really cool. Um, are you broadcasting basketball games this week? What's going on? We are not. It's in district tournament play. Okay. The FHSAA way over charges, and I don't blame anybody for paying, for not paying. Okay. All right. That's the update. That's what it is. It's also Super Bowl week. What are your thoughts? We talked about it last week, but have you changed your opinion on this game, or are you sticking to your guns here? I'm going to stick to my guns. What I do realize is that for whatever reason, and I, I'm still not sure what it is, I watched that ridiculous thing that they did last night that they used to call media day. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> just get to the game. I, I, I don't even know what to think about what I saw last night with buffer out there introducing the teams and the, the pomp, the circumstance, the hoopla, you know, I was, I, I you know, I, I was, I, I was interested to hear about Travis Kelsey and what he was going to say about Taylor Swift. And I found it interesting that he has had her parts of her new album. And yeah, I mean, I just play the game. And I think by the time we get to this game, Mark, you know, it's tough for me to continuously pick against Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't know that I can do it. This is the best Chiefs defense in the history of Patrick Mahomes. So I'm just going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs because I'm tired of getting my ass kicked picking against my homes. You know what it is? You're still angry about the Ravens, and I don't blame you. I am. I don't Mark, blame you. I am still, still pissed about it. You know, it's funny, and i got to be careful what I say here. With Travis Kelsey, oh, he's got a chance to hear the album. He's dating Taylor Swift. It's like, yeah. And I could say something more crude than that on the air, but I won't. Oh, yeah. Okay? Yeah. He's seen parts. That's, That's all I'm going to say. Do. It's so ridiculous. Look, yeah. I get it. I get it, man. I've been there. When they when the Ravens lost, I felt so bad. I was like, oh, man. I felt so bad for Allen. I really did. I'm so sorry, I, man. I, you, know, you know what's incredible is that the day that they lost, the evening that they lost, mm-hmm. I was okay. But – 
When I woke up the next day and I went back and I watched the game again, I got madder and madder and madder and madder. And it just hasn't stopped. I still can't believe they lost that freaking game. You know what it is? I think parents go through this where you see your child playing a sport. It's Little League or they're playing basketball, flag football, whatever, you know, the little kid. And you can't help them out there. You can't. You just sit there. And here's the thing that really bothers me about that is listening to the national pundits talk about how great the Kansas City Chiefs were in that. No, they were not that great in that football game. No. In fact, they punted on every second half possession. And Mark, they scored 17 points the last time a team won an AFC championship game, scoring 17 or less points was the 2000 Ravens. So they punted on every second half possession. They didn't score a point in the second half, and we still couldn't win the football game. What do you think Lions fans are saying right now? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) What an answer. Um, Are you mentally prepared once the game ends that, I'm just going to keep asking you what my Bears should do with the number one pick because that's going to be the number one headline for the next four months. I am actually taking a good, really good, close look at that. Um, it's going to be interesting, Mark. This is really going to be an interesting offseason in the National Football League with Caleb Williams in that number one overall pick, man. What do you think they should do? Do we, Are we sold? Are we sold Caleb Williams is the number one pick? That's my first no, question. I'm not. I, listen, and I'm not making fun of Caleb, and I'm not saying anything, but I think enough has come out about Caleb Williams to question his – I don't think you can question the guy's talent. Mm. But I think what you can question is whether this guy is capable enough of leading an NFL locker room, which, as we know, quarterbacks – really need to do in this league. And so I, I think enough has come out about that to warrant and ask, is he worthy of the pick? But I listen, Mark, I think the Bears still got to make the pick. Uh, if he's there, I think they got to do it. And so I think it goes back to the days of, you know, the Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers thing, you know. So who knows? I, I, we got four months to debate it, but it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. If you look at last year at this time, There was no debate where Bryce Young was the first pick. And I don't want to hear from these knuckleheads where, oh, no, it it was C.J. Stroud. No. Everyone said it was him. Every Like, everyone national. You're going to take this guy when the Heisman, he's the guy. You know, everything. And when Carolina traded up to number one, everyone's like, oh, well, this is the guy. The only thing that was, was interesting was, the debate was, the owner for the Panthers, the Tepper, the crazy guy, he wanted Young. And there was rumblings that maybe uh, the coach at the time wanted C.J. Stroud. He wanted the bigger quarterback. But look, when the Panthers took him, yeah, no problem. And then now we saw what happened a year later. I Well, and, and can I be fair to Bryce Young? Yeah. He, he, did he have one quality NFL lineman blocking for no. him last year? Uh, I mean, you know, did he have one quality? I mean, could any – Ten of the other guys that played on the Carolina Panthers offense started on another NFL team. No, no. Do you? Right. Here's the question: Brock Purdy, if he was the quarterback for the Panthers last year, what would have happened to him? He'd be Mike White. Yeah. All right. 
that's what's interesting with this whole conversation. If Brock Purdy, if Brock Purdy had the Bears offensive line, he gets killed. I, since, yeah, he's, he, exactly. He gets killed. What, this is my thing. So you have Justin Fields. He's 6'3. He's as big as a linebacker. His old line is terrible. He's running around making plays the best he can do. Now, does he have his faults? Yes, he does. There are times when I review the tape, the Bears should have scored 40 points against some of these teams, and that's on Fields. But if you put Caleb Williams, who's smaller in the pocket with that Bears line, does Caleb Williams get killed next year? That's my question. Well, I think, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's a great question, and I think that I think the dynamic in all of this is going to be because I think the Bears are going to take. Caleb Williams, unless they are blown away yeah. by a trade proposal that offers them three or four first round picks. I mean, honestly, I believe they're going to take this kid. And then I think they're going to trade. I think the Bears have, and I, and I think they better be careful here, Mark, because I think they have a really, really good opportunity to come out of this with the number one overall pick as well as a King's ransom as well. So I think they can do nothing but win-win here. Now, listen, you might get a lot of people laughing at them coming up about, you know, uh, you know, well, they made the pick and Williams said he wasn't going to play there and they make the pick anyway. That's Chicago. That's your, but I think in the end, Mark, this could really, really turn out well for your Bears if they played their cards right. If you trade Justin Fields, I want a first-round pick. I don't care. Even if it's a future, I, I think because if you look at what Russell Wilson that trade, which is beyond stupid now when you look at it. But I, look, if Atlanta calls you, we'll give you the eighth pick. Okay. All right. I look, you can do crazy scenarios here. You, and this is the wildest. And I know you'll laugh at me. Hey, you take Williams, you keep fields and then you have Williams as the ransom. You know, Oh, you want him? Well, we're going to sit him for a year. Then you can have him. <laughs> well, and, 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 well, what would be all that different about the Williams, Caleb Williams situation? And Justin Fields' situation than than what you had with Steve Walsh and Troy Aikman in Dallas back in the day, when the Cowboys drafted Troy Aikman in the first round, and then in the supplemental draft that yeah. year out of the University of Miami, Jimmy Johnson takes Steve Walsh. I, my only thing is, and you could tell I think about this at five hours a day. They have the number one pick, the Bears, and I'm I'm seeing these other franchises, their beat reporters, like, well, the Raiders. They should trade up and get him. And Washington should trade up. And, and, wa- and No, you don't have the pick. The Bears have the pick. Enough of this. The Bears have the number one pick for a reason. They are rewarded with taking the number one pick. There's too much yeah. of this nonsense going on right now. I can't. And look, you need, and we'll say this till the end of the day. You need a quarterback who can throw the ball from the pocket. I, you need, I, you see, you see in this game, that's what Mahomes can do. And now he can improvise, go left, right, move around the pocket. He can make every throw. And now, look, and, he's the Michael Jordan, but you got to get someone who could throw the ball. Sorry. And, and you're preaching to the choir on that one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, before I let you go, are you ready for Friday at Club 52? Oh, yeah, Mark Moses. I'm ready. Yo, yeah, I'm ready, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Oh, you're ready. I've had like eight, oh, yeah, I've had like eight different programs reach out going, can you broadcast? Nope, sure can't. Uh, nope, I've got plans. I'm ready. I appreciate buddy. that. And it's going to be your birthday Friday as well. Yeah, well, that's not the important thing. The important <laughs> thing is let's have fun. <laughs> let's have a good time. <laughs> that's right. Um, 
We're going to have fun. We're going to be doing Sports Trivia Challenge. It'll be Allen versus me, 5 o'clock hour. We're going to have some fun with it. I know he's going to show it on Brevard Sports Network as well. Ooh, I I got I saw, you know what? I saw a birthday gift for you, but I didn't know if you'd like it or not. So I, I didn't get it, but I'm going to work on your gift for Friday. Listen, man, you ain't got to get me anything. Inviting me down here to do this is a birthday present enough for me. And I truly, truly mean that, Mark. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. I haven't done anything at all for my birthday. I think the last time I did anything for my birthday was four years ago when my sister came down. I think yeah. we all went out one night. I think that's the last time I've done anything. I'm extremely, extremely excited about this. So uh, you don't have yeah. to get – please don't get me anything. This is more than enough, my friend. You can join us. That's right. This Friday, it's going to be the 5 p.m. hour. So right when you get off work, come on over to Club 52 Poker in Melbourne, right there on Wickham Road. We're going to be doing Sports Trivia Challenge. And stop by. This is very key. I'm giving away two tickets to the Daytona 500, which is sold out. Register to win. It's free to register. We'll pick it after Sports Trivia. Alan, my man, thanks for your help, and have a great day. All right, Mark. Appreciate you. See you Friday, buddy.